This is a HeadGum Podcast. While Andrew and Craig believe the joy of discovery is crucial to enjoying any well-told tale, they will not shy away from spoiling specific story beats when necessary. Plus, these are books you should have read by now. Hey. When I'm when I'm recording podcasts now, I we do the like sync clap to get our audio tracks synced up. But to do that clap, I lean back in my office chair, and then the first thing I do after I clap, after the podcast audio is officially started, is I lean forward in my podcast chair, which creaks a lot, which is pretty spooky. I think it's all because it only started creaking recently. The story of Andrew's haunted chair. This is, welcome to Are You Afraid of the Dark? I'm Andrew. This is the tale of the haunted chair. <laughs> welcome to the Midnight Society. Also overdue, a podcast about the books. You would mean to read. My name is Craig. My name's Andrew. And we are going to talk about Pen Pal by Dathan Auerbach, which is our third book in Spooktober. But Andrew, has your chair, like, possessed you? It does possess me in the sense that it holds my butt up off the floor i love it when a ghost holds my butt up off the floor for me it's a very it's a service oriented ghost (laughs) i have i'm a ghost i have unfinished business and it's that i let too many that's what the song the let the bodies hit the floor song is about actually is it's a ghost who who's let too many bodies hit the floor and now he needs to spend his time as a ghost holding people up off the floor some ghosts are just so helpful. Yeah, they're really But they make really, really angry music about it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so every week on the show, uh, Andrew makes noise in his chair, and then one of us talks about a book that we read. Usually we haven't read it before. The other person usually hasn't read it at all. Um, and then we talk, and in the middle there, you, you know, get the benefits. Um, <laughs> so... It's astounding to me that we're almost 400 episodes in, and I don't think we have a version of that extended we have intro. Kind that. of refused to make one. I think yeah. I had a dream the other day where we had one, and I didn't listen to it. I found it boring. Um, yeah, that's the spookiest thing of all: is medi- getting to a mediocre place and then deciding it's good enough and not improving ever. Hey, that's Spooky. every that's every haunted house ever. Am I right? So. Andrew, big slam on haunted houses. (laughs) No, they're just all drafty and stuff. No, Craig's good. If you run a haunted house, Craig just put you on notice. I meant like actual haunted houses (laughs) people live in are always run down and stuff and have creaky foundations (laughs) like your chair. Um, Also, make your haunted house better if you run a haunted house. So far, this discussion has a pretty creaky foundation. So what is... What are we getting into? So week? we are getting into Pen Pal by Dathan mm-hmm. Auerbach. Um, his I, name, I read it. You read it, yes. Um, it was recommended to us by one of our Patreon supporters, Alex. Thank you, Alex. Um, which is how we got the book. And some folks, we're going to talk about this a little bit later on. Um, some folks, when we announced we were doing the book, had very big opinions. I'll say big opinions. Um, everything from can't wait to hear what you 
what you say about it to let's see if they agree with our theories to I hated it to it'll stick with me till I die. So we have a lot to cover today, Andrew, and I've never heard of this guy, which is weird. Usually never heard of Dathan Auerbach. Usually we've at least heard of some of the authors, but then we get some of these more uh, contemporary authors, some of whom have come from like like this book, Kickstarter campaigns and emerged out of online communities into their authorship, um, which is always a fun way to dive into, you know, an Internet subculture that we don't spend all of our time in. And surely <laughs> we won't get anything wrong. Um, <laughs> but it is my understanding that Mr. Auerbach uh, was like he was in his late 20s as working as a philosophy professor. And then, as he says, it got addicted to Reddit. Um, Boy, how, how, <laughs> how would somebody in their late 20s in the field of philosophy have found the time to be on Reddit a lot, is my question. Uh, and I'm just kidding you out there, philosophy people. Yeah, what's the deal with that? Um, that's a good philosophy question. What's the deal with that? So he found the no, the no sleep subreddit, r slash no sleep for those in the know. And he was going by the name of Thousand Vultures, which is that's thousand a lot. and one vultures, right? I know it is no, a thousand, thousand vultures. No, what? Sorry, that's so sorry, sorry. one vulture too many, Andrew. Don't you dare! Um, and he was kind of interested in this Reddit channel where amateur authors were posting stories, and you know, people in the comments were like playing along that they're real. I found an interview or, or an article he had written actually on. Um, litreactor.com called From Creepypasta to Doubleday. That was all about where this book came from. And he said that there are two rules of the no sleep Reddit channel, which is you respect the believability premise where you as the author have to write a thing that is like believably creepy. Um, and then you have to respect the like role play element of it. You can't go into the comments and like, well, you just don't understand my story. This is what I meant. You got to be the character that you were writing. So it's a lot of like campfire sure. stories um, where the goal is to tell something spooky that's like kind of just close to real enough. He was lurking a lot, reading a lot of other people's stories, and then decided to write a thing called Footsteps, um, which he says was based on... Um, quote, my mom denies that this ever happened, but as a kid, I distinctly remember waking up on my porch outside, cold and in my underwear. My mom insists that it couldn't have possibly happened, so I guess I'll never know, but I've carried that memory around for years. So Do you he have writes anything this... like that from your <sighs> like own a... childhood? I, once... I have this, I have this wicked vivid dream and i'm mm. sorry to interrupt you nope, right after you're... i ask a question but i thought you were going to need some time to think about it and so i jumped in to give you some time it's very generous um i have this super vivid memory of me sitting in the passenger seat of a car and my mom and i were going to go somewhere like maybe grocery shopping or something like something pretty routine and in this memory that i have the car just takes off and drives by itself and i am terrified this whole time just like sitting paralyzed in the passenger seat and the car pulls around to a burger king drive-thru and that's when my mom who's been running after us this whole time gets back in the car and takes control of it 
the ghost wanted you to get some yeah. BK. And then I remember like having a dream about this, like a separate incident. I don't know how, how long after where I had a dream about it. And I remember waking up like yelling, get me out of this dream. And my Whoa. dad was sleeping in the room with me already. Like he expected me to be spooked. Yo. So like what happened? I've never what asked did my you parents do? about this. I know, I know. I know I have. I slept walk as a kid. Slept walked. Whatever. I know I yeah, walked you in slept, my sleep. You slept and you walked in the past tense. So yes. Yeah, slept, slept walked. I slept walked. I'm the slept walker. And one time, I know, I don't know what else I've done. At one point, I just woke up in my hamper. Like, at the foot of my bed, just curled up in my hamper like a dingus. Uh, I don't know if I was hiding from something or whatever. I also have, this is not as spooky, I have a very vivid memory <laughs> of a dream where I was caring for a baby dragon on top of the rock that's on, like, the border of our town. Hanging rock. Uh, oh, is it that rock it's that you're talking about rock. on Twitter that yeah. you drive by it on the highway and you're like, hey, cool rock. Yeah, it's a cool rock. Um, even George Washington knew about that rock. So maybe there was a dragon there when he was there. I don't know. I had a dream. Um, but, <laughs> the, you know, if we took these stories to r slash no sleep, I don't know if they would have asked, you know, if commenters would have said, did anything happen after this? Which is what Auerbach got from a couple of commenters, which is like a really good, encouraging question. Uh, for an author, which is like, well, I want more of whatever you got. Yeah, that's the whole point of being an entertainer at some point. It's to leave them want more, right? Yes. Like, that's that's a mark of some kind of success. Yes. So he started churning out stories, you know, at most a week apart using the same handle. So people were getting used to, like, these stories all being from the same character. And then he set up, like, a mailing list after he'd done, like, a run of them. Uh, so people knew who he was, they knew what his stories were, uh, and then he decided to launch a Kickstarter. I know there was a question you had asked me, like, how did he successfully launch a Kickstarter, like, asking for $1,500 and get $15,000 to self-publish this book? And it was yeah, because he's got in the, yeah. in the beginning of the book, he has a special thanks to my Kickstarter.com supporters, which is... <laughs> creates this funny duality <laughs> where you have you're thanking real people like Barbara Boyd and Colin Arnoldus. Yes. And then also awesome Jamie, all one word. <laughs> I love man, the internet. The internet can be cool is what I'll say. Um yeah. the old internet. Yes. This is sort we, like, ne we never should we never should have upgraded it to 2.0. We should have left it. We should have left 1. it behind. Um so he had this built-in fan base and community from the Creepypasta community. Uh, more on what Creepypasta is in a second. Um, they got him the money for this book. He published it, and it went pretty well. Um, he has since written a second book called Bad Man um, that people seem to have the same opinions about that they do this one, which is yeah. kind of polarizing. It's more of what you want, or it's not. Um, that one came out in 2018, and the only, um, the only thing that I noticed about that is this one was self-published like pen pal was self-published yes, yes by 1000 vultures which is a imprint he made named after his reddit handle but uh bad man was published by anchor and uh sold by random house so he went yeah. corporate he did he went to corporate. sell this to sell the <laughs> bad man book that's true that's true 
Um, so yeah, this story, this like set of stories that are collected into this novel, uh, come from a lineage of things called creepy pasta. Now, Andrew, when you wrote to me, you said, "What the f is creepy pasta?" Is that you not knowing what creepy pasta is, or are you asking for the benefit of our listeners? I have like a vague, like I I, I believe I know the etymology of the term. I have a vague sense of what it kind of encompasses and like some examples of it, but yeah, my understanding of what the, what the term came from is it comes from copy and paste. Yes. So So there's an, it was stuff that it's like urban myths and stuff that, that circulate around the internet. So you copy paste it. It's creepypasta. Yeah. There's an article from, I believe 2014 in time magazine, everyone's favorite magazine, um, by Jessica Roy, uh, who was writing this in 2014 because of the Slender Man murder um, Man. when two 12-year-old girls killed their friend uh, pr- ostensibly to please Slender Man, um, who is himself a copy creepypasta. So there was a lot of writing about what creepypasta was at the time. And yeah, it came from you know chain letters and urban legends that get copied and pasted around. Then it's built into message boards and Usenet forums and then social networks like Reddit, where it's not tied to your like real world personality explicitly, so it's easier to kind of share it around anonymously. Well, and, and Reddit's thing and and how it would have been in forums and all kinds of stuff is is it makes it more interactive. Like yes. you can you can have other responses yes. to it. I I think that we've we we've done for past Spooktober's a couple of like urban uh, legends yeah urban legends and ghost story episodes and some of those that we've read are definitely sort of the creepy pasta thing i think i think of them as those sort of stories which are long and mundane but then get creepy right at the end like if you think about that <laughs> yep the story of the like person who's driving and there's like a car behind them and they're really worried about the car behind them because they're like flashing their headlights and chasing them and trying to follow them. But really they were just trying to warn them yes. about the murderer in the backseat. Every creepypasta ends like that. Yes. Uh, I read one on but our... who was foe? <laughs> I read one on r slash no sleep today that was called Skin Horse and it was about a horse. <laughs> It was about a horse that used to be a person, so it had human skin and hands. And then at the end, the author became the new skin horse. I love it so much. Can there be only one skin horse? Yeah, there's only one skin horse. Oh, man, that's that Justin Long movie where he gets turned into a walrus. Oh, no. Tusk. Um, We've talked about Tusk. Yeah, we've talked about Tusk too much. Other popular creepypastas that you may have heard of, Ted the Caver, which is about spelunking stories, Lavender Town Syndrome, which is about like this town covering up a bunch of child deaths, and something called Jeff the Killer, which is a great name for anything. Jeff the Um, Killer is my favorite PBS Kids TV show. It's pretty good. It's funny how he never never kills anyone. It's so weird. Um, And the big picture, I think, like takeaways for what creepypasta is and what its appeal is, is that like... It's online origins mean that it can be passed around meme-like, and it, it is often delivered on, in, on or in a forum that looks like the rest of the real internet, like in a wiki. There are wikis, like the Creepypasta wiki, where you submit stories. Like It just looks like a regular wiki, so the fact fiction line gets blurred, which makes it fun. They should um, call them witchies. 
They could call them witchies. For a month every year, they could call them witchies. Um, <laughs> Witchipedia. And they are, in, they are obviously, as you said earlier, inherently community-based, Andrew. So like you get a lot of immediate feedback on your stories. Everybody's kind of in on it, and there's a lot of fun there. Um, ironically, this has led to less of it being a copy-paste thing, as authors like Auerbach and other people have taken off. And then authorship becomes more important and the community has started to recognize that. So that's, I don't know, if there are listeners who know a little bit more about the community, I'd love to read about it because I spent two seconds in there and found Skin Horse. So like, let me know what's going on. <sighs> Skin Horse. Um, that's the other thing about creepypastas. I feel like sometimes you read a creepypasta story and we'll get into this a little bit when yeah. you when we talk about Pin pa- Pen Pal, but... Um, Sometimes you get to the end of the story and it's like, is that it? Yeah. But, but then it kind of sits with you. And then <laughs> eight hours later, you're still thinking about Skin Horse. <laughs> I'm going to be thinking about Skin Horse for a long time. And that's and that's how you get sucked into the creepypasta. Andrew, I think we need to take a break so I can go read more Skin Horse. And we'll come back and you can tell me about the book. Okay. <laughs> Craig, I've got so much creepypasta falling out of my pockets. I've written all these cool stories about the skin horse and saddle fingers and all the cool like creepypasta characters, but I don't have anywhere. I don't want to put them up on Reddit. No. I'll put them up on my own site that I own. So what? Can you help? Yeah. Can you help me? You can turn to our sponsors this week, the fine folks at Squarespace. They will help you create a creepy website to turn your spooky ideas <laughs> into something the world wants to read. Um, you can blog and publish all of your creepy stories, and you could even, Andrew, if it were your own creations, not other people's, you could sell products uh, based on those characters uh, using their built-in stores. Um, and they do this... Here's my skin horse plushie. No, somebody else wrote that. You can't do that. <laughs> um, Squarespace does this by giving you beautiful templates created by world-class designers. Um, you, Andrew, will have the ability to customize the look, feel, settings, products, and more with just a few clicks. Just so you can get back to writing your creepy stories. You don't have to do too much to make your website look cool. Um, and they've got built-in search engine optimization so people can find your creepy stories. And if you have trouble, they have 24-7 award-winning customer support. So, Andrew, if you want to make a Squarespace website, which I bet you do, right? I do. You do. Because otherwise, how are we going to read your skin horse fan slash fiction? Yeah. (laughs) You should go to squarespace.com slash overdue for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, use the offer code overdue to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Remember, that is squarespace.com slash overdue. Ooh, spooky twist. What if you couldn't go to squarespace.com slash overdue for a free trial and enter the offer code overdue to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. That would be terrible. I know. Ooh, twist. It's a good thing. It's not true. Just a, just spooking you. Just a fun spook for me to you. I'm so scared with how this ad has gone. (laughs) Skin horse. So pen pal by Dathan Arbach. I've never heard that name before have you heard that name before Auerbach no I've never heard Dathan yeah it's like it's like Nathan but Dathan Um, unless it isn't pronounced that way (laughs) (laughs) 
Uh, so Pen Pal is structured as a collection of short stories. I think there are like six of them, but they are from the perspective of the same narrator and they purport to be parts of the same whole. Um, there are some parts in each story where like midway through there is like an element from a previous story that comes up or sometimes there's an element of a previous story that comes up and then is just like never remarked upon as a okay as a like feature of the of the current story and you're like well shouldn't those shouldn't those be integrated a little more thoroughly and and the way that the book is packaged to to uh get past that as it says you know i'm i'm writing these recollections as i remember them and I'm not yeah. going back and revising things as I find out new information. So you're going to discover things as I discover them and it will like add to the mystery or whatever. That's interesting that like in there's an in character version for there to be this unreliable narrator. But it also is an in universe kind of maybe justification for the disjointed way probably that the original stories were written like he yeah like it's it's pretty basic lamp like textbook lampshading i think which <laughs> if you're not familiar with that term is lampshading is what happens when you're aware of criticisms of the work that might come up and so you try to head people off at the past by saying hey i get it it's part of it yeah just don't think about it that much <laughs> well the the but the end of what you said the like where you the reader might figure out stuff that also feels like the the generous version of that is i'm used to commenters letting me know cool stuff about my story in real time that i didn't even think about so like maybe right, you'll sure. find stuff in there that me this haunted narrator whoever won't won't even have realized but uh, what who is the narrator so i want you can you come up with a name for the narrator because the book never gives the narrator a name um the the narrator's best friend is named josh it probably shouldn't use josh but other than that just give him a name so we can talk about him without saying the narrator over and over and and we don't want to say dathan we don't want to assume that it's the author we don't want to say dathan we don't want to say bosh which is josh with a b what about um, Handrew, Handrew, hmm, interesting. Or <laughs> or Andre. That's so or okay. You know, Andre, Andre, you did it. You we've made this bed and now we sleep in it. Yep. Thanks, Andre. The Andre, the narrator of Pen Pal by Dathan Arbach. Yep. Is a boy whose life is marked by a series of strange events. Um, so we are told these little vignettes uh, bit by bit, and they're, they are mostly taking place when Andre is, is a like five or six year old, like in kindergarten or first grade, because that's when he meets Josh. But then we get a couple of uh, bits where he's kind of in middle school, like the 10 to 12 year old range. And then one, incident where he's in high school okay and it's clear to you the reader that something that something strange is going on and that it's probably all coming from the same source um but i i can buy how here here's what the book does well is like i can buy that a kid might not necessarily connect all of this stuff together and also a kid might not have 
like Handre's mom <laughs> is a central character in the book because she is aware that something is going on and she's trying to protect her son. And she maybe um, isn't explaining things to him on purpose or something yeah, like, like that. Yeah, she's not, she's not explaining because he's like five or six. Um, he is noticing things that he's not necessarily bringing up to her because he doesn't know if he should. Um, later when he gets older, he, th- there are things that he's done. Like she is very protective of him and he as a, you know, as a kid and a preteen and a teen is pushing back against that authority. And so doing stuff that he is technically not allowed to do. And so he doesn't want to talk with her and like have a full reckoning um it's only you're you're kind of getting this from an adult andre sure and it's not meant like he is telling it to you in like i'm five and telling it to you he is remembering no it's i i am an adult and i'm an adult and i'm telling you a thing that that happened when i was five and there is actually a, a passage where he's like yes i finally talked with my mom about this and i feel like her and, and her telling me everything that happened like made her like grip on reality like loosened her grip on reality like the things were so horrible that it that it broke her mentally in some way whoa okay yeah so what happened to him <sighs> I'll relay okay a few different just a few different stories of let's talk about footsteps which I think is is the original story it's yeah. it's the original story I think it's number two in this one but it's a it's a story where he there are woods behind his house and I grew up in sort of a rural environment where there actually were woods behind my house where I like went back and explored a bunch with like my brother and sister and and cousin um so this I sort of. I understood how that would be alluring to a kid as you just have this little like patch of woods that you go back and it's like your woods and you hang out back there with your friends and maybe your, your uncles both go back there and like chew to, but this is where the, the book ends in Andrew's life. Maybe your uncles, maybe your uncles go back there and they ride their four wheelers and they light fires and they do their chewing tobacco and stuff. Sure. That sounds fun. And just like hang out and have male bonding time. There was a there was a big cemetery down the street from my house, or like a memorial gardens, and so we used to go hang out in there uh, sometimes. Mm-hmm. And you have to like mm-hmm. you could take the the creepy through the woods way to get there. It wasn't a big woods, but you could fall in a creek and get muddy. Right? So yeah, yeah, creepy. Um, <laughs> creepy <laughs> mud. Um. So he's he's yeah, interested so, so, in the woods, maybe. Yeah, but so and, and his mom is telling him always like you can't you got to be home by the time the sun goes down, and so he is he says you know sometimes I will like wake up in the bathroom or like I'll I'll wake up in a place where I didn't go to sleep and I won't remember how I got there but it's all pretty innocuous stuff it's like you, what you were talking about with the hamper like it yeah. is it's clearly just like light sleepwalking where you just have gone somewhere where that that is within your house and you're reasonably safe and it's not a big deal. Yeah. Yeah. One night he wakes up in the woods. Well, he doesn't know how he got there. And he's, and, and after he gets over the part where he's like, is this a dream? Am I going to wake up at some point? Uh, but he doesn't wake up. And so he has to make his way through the woods back home. 
he doesn't because it's dark he doesn't recognize where he is even though he's been in those woods a lot and there are um you know there's like thorns digging into his feet and he is hearing all these you know, in order to I think often as kids, we kind of make a game out of mundane tasks. And so what he is done in his brain, like with his mom's mandate that he be home by dark, is he will sometimes like imagine that something is chasing him and he needs to get out oh, of the sure. by dark to like beat the thing. And that in his head becomes an actual thing that he needs to be scared about. And so he is just way like very, very tense about being in these woods at night. And he finally makes it home and someone picks him up and grabs him and he doesn't know what it is. And he's like terrified that it's a monster, but everything, everybody calms down. It turns out that it was just the police. Like his mom called the police because he, she woke up and he was missing. And it turns out that there was a note that had been left on his pillow that explains how he's like running away from home and you're never going to see him again. And they ask him, you know, what the deal was with this note. And he's, and he kind of just like his mom is so relieved and he's so relieved to be home. They kind of just like lets it slip by. But he notices that his name is not written correctly on the note. And I don't, this is one area where just like not telling me what the narrator's name is makes it a little bit weird. Is like, in what way can you write a kid's name wrong? Where the kid will notice it, but his mom won't notice it. Well, how old <laughs> like, is I he? Like I notice, though? I notice, like when Henry has like different fart patterns. Yeah, that's than fair. He had the day before, like you kind of just pick this stuff up about your kid. So I'd be, I, I'm not sure how that gets by people, but that's yeah. like the, that's the creepy thing. Is like that he his mom thinks everything is fine, but he knows. I didn't write this note and there's proof I didn't write this note because that's not how I signed my name. Sure. No, that makes sense. Creepy pasta. And that and I could see like in the context, and I've probably been fooled by creepy Twitter threads before about hotel ghosts or whatever. Um I could see how you get to the end of this and you're like, Oh, that kid got lost in the woods. That's kind of spooky. How how scared for him. Oh, whoa, that's a weird thing. And then you're just like you're sitting in that and you're sitting in the emotional reality of what that kid was experiencing, whether or not the like the it's not Agatha Christie tight, the like letter. Right. It isn't mm-hmm. um, vacuum sealed as an explanation, but it, you do get the experience of, oh, that's kind of strange. And then you just like you're scrolling through the rest of Reddit going, wow, that was strange. <laughs> I think, and I think the nature of Reddit probably lends itself well to this kind of story and this kind of writing. Is it's, it, it, you come to that space kind of expecting to be in character and like responding yeah. in character, and so you get into it and you get a little more creeped out by it than yes. I think than I think maybe is is natural when you're reading a book because my I I certainly didn't I just certainly didn't dislike the book and there's there some pretty creepy passages in it that, that we'll talk about. I think the next one I want to talk about is probably the creepiest of them. Um, but I got to the end of it and I was just kind of like, Oh, is that like, is that it? Sure. Because sure. I, th- and I think it's because having talked about books like uh hex 
Yeah. And so I'm, I'm just, I am used to modern horror authors knowing that they need to like ratchet stuff way, way up to yes. get past our desensitized psyche. <laughs> <laughs> well, and even thinking about when I read um, Stephen King's, the like the JFK book earlier this year, which is not really a horror book, but there's a couple moments of like intense violence that really shakes people's psyches. And, and then that book also just has like reality breaking down. And there is, there's a master level of craft to like getting inside someone's head there, which isn't necessary for like to deliver the, the little punch at the end of a, of a creepypasta. Um, you just got to get that thought in someone's brain and let them do some of the work on the other end. Um, yeah. Okay. And I think I can. Yeah. Yeah. There's there's a there's a lot of interesting conversation to be had about this, because, which I think is part of a creepy pasta. Is it's kind of open ended enough that it encourages discussion and and response. Um, so I mentioned his friend named Josh, who he meets in kindergarten. Okay. Um, later on, they're both in like the fifth grade and. Uh, Andre has moved across town like his th- this is after the events in the woods um after oh boy actually I should probably tell this one before there's this there's this thing that happens in kindergarten where you write a letter to somebody and you put it on a balloon and you all release the balloons and then you wait for you wait to get responses to the letters okay it's so like this is where the pen pal program. thing comes from yes okay great yeah so you put a return address on it and whatever and and it's a school project and it's fun when people get their letters back from their pen pals and it's a it's a thing where you're trying to like see how far the balloon can go and and teach people about communicating and writing and reading and one of the one of those classic kid ruses where you're trying to trick them into learning stuff yes yes <laughs> i think i only did a pen pal thing once in school and i was writing a kid on the other side of the earth about computer class because we were typing the letters in computer class. I don't remember ever getting anything back. <laughs> I don't, I have no strong memory. Like I, I, I am sure that we tried to do a pen pal thing at some point and I have no strong memory of, I never, like, I didn't have like a, that came out of it. Yeah. No. Yeah. I never, you know, didn't meet some sort of like eternal friend through a pen pal program or a mortal enemy or anything like that, which is really unfortunate. My teachers that failed me. Pen penemies. Penemies. <laughs> what if you met somebody who you really didn't like, but you kept writing letters to each other? This rules. <laughs> so what? So what happens with this pen pal thing? Because you got. Well, so what happens? Yeah. Okay, there, there are a couple different things. Is that. He, the narrator, does not get, and I'm sorry, Andre, does not get Mm -hmm. a response back for a long, long time. But then eventually he does, and it's just like a blurry Polaroid picture. Creepy. And then he keeps getting a bunch of Polaroid pictures. And he's by the end of the school year, he's got like 50 of them. The other thing is he, on a dollar bill, when he sends out this original missive, he includes a dollar bill and writes four stamps really big on it. Which he thinks is genius because he's like five years old, but he he wants the pen pal to be able to get a letter back to him. So he includes a dollar for stamps. So two creepy things. One, he realizes later 
that every Polaroid is of him. Like he is in the picture somewhere. And he said the reason he didn't notice this at first is because I guess he didn't look at the Polaroids when he got them. Like eventually he just got so many of them that he stopped looking at them. Um, it's another point that kind of strains credulity for the sake of setting up the creepy. Yeah, the yeah. it's like, oh, I didn't really uh, think about it. I wasn't really paying attention. Yeah, and so that's why it was creepy. Um, and then there's another uh, vignette where he and Josh have set up a snow cone, like with a snow cone machine, they've set up a snow cone stand on their yard. And when they're counting their money at the end of the day, one of the dollar bills is the four stamps dollar. Oh, snap! And it came back. Whoa. Is that one of those callbacks that you said earlier, like, isn't really commented on? It's just there? No, no, that's not That's not one of the ones. It, there's, a, there's a specific one with, like, a pool float that I don't think is explored very fully. <laughs> I hate it when um, I don't explore the pool float. Yeah, and I don't... That's That whole story is maybe a little more separate from the rest of the okay, in, okay. in a way that... But you were trying to set up the one where they're in like fifth grade, him and Josh, right? Yeah. Right? Okay. So they're they're in fifth grade. It's him and Josh. They're still hanging out. So the narrator has they moved uh, pretty ab- abruptly after the events where you know where he got lost in the in the woods. Okay. Get um, away from these woods. And so, so this is actually one of the things that I was talking about. Where like, why didn't this come up before? Is he has a beloved cat named Boxes? Who shows up for the first time in like story three or four or whichever one this is. Okay. And Boxes would always run out of the house. Boxes was declawed, which one, don't do that. That's cruel. It's like if you cut your own fingers off at the first knuckle, it's not. Don't do that. Don't do that. Don't do that to animals. Your furniture is, your furniture will be fine. (laughs) Get cheaper furniture. Don't care about furniture. Care about a cat. Yeah, so uh, Boxes was declawed. <sighs> it makes me upset. Um, boxes, <laughs> boxes was declawed, <laughs> and so they didn't. And so they didn't want Boxes to get outside because Boxes couldn't defend himself because you cut off his claws. Don't do that to cats. Yep. Um, but Boxes would get outside sometimes, and it was always a you know an occasion for freaking out because he can't you know he can't defend himself he can't do a lot of natural cat things because you cut his claws off and that you shouldn't do that um and one thing that boxes would do is he would run under the house and hide until you brought a can opener down and you ran the can opener and then boxes would run out because he associated the can opener with a can of cat food opening yeah okay which is classic cat stuff classic cat stuff they love that like newman eats dry food and he comes running this also presupposes an electric can opener that i have never seen in my human life they did they do have an electric can opener in the book and we i think we had one for a while one of the ones with like the you had it's got the magnet that the can sticks yeah. to and then it whirs around the edge Sure. Um, I mean, we have a sick can opener that like keeps it safe when you open the can and then you don't like cut yourself. It's pretty cool. Sure. Yeah. I don't need a machine to do it for me. I'm a man. I can cut the can opener. <laughs> I can I can open my own cans <laughs> like they did in caveman times. Open my cave cans to get the cave just, beans out. Just living off the earth. <laughs> getting getting stuff out of these cans like God intended. 
That's how Homo sapiens defeated the Neanderthals. I don't know if you know, Neanderthals couldn't open the cans. <laughs> Neanderthals couldn't open cans, so they died. <laughs> Welcome to the Anthropocene. I'm the opening can- cans. More like the Canthropocene. Hey, that's what it is. That's what what I need to eat these beans. Uh, so boxes would go hide under the house a lot. And yeah. So they move and boxes disappears. Oh no. And I don't remember. Did exactly. they not tell him the new address? Well, no, they did. It was this has been a couple years after, and so he and Josh oh, okay. are hanging out. And Josh is like, you know, sometimes sometimes the cat just goes home, and the and Josh and the narrator are like, what if he just, what if he just didn't remember the right home to go back to? Okay, and so they get it in their heads. They're gonna go back to the old house. Yeah, and they're gonna they're gonna find boxes, hopefully under under the house. Um, something that happens. You know, during this part of the story where they're talking about boxes and under the house and they can't open is the mom goes under the house as they are getting ready to move. Like they're a couple days out from the move and she goes under the house to find boxes because the can opener has been packed. They don't know where it is, so they don't have an easy way to get them out. And she comes out and she's like clearly shaken somehow. And she moves up the timetable for them. Moving, oh, and they they just leave super fast. Oh, and you, the reader, know, okay, this is what did she see under the house that's going to creep the pasta me out later. <laughs> and so Josh and Andre go to the house, and Andre goes under the house, and, like, there are dead animals under there. And there's, like, a blanket, and there are a bunch of, like, bowls of dried food under there. Uh. And Josh, Josh goes into the house to just like explore and I see boxes is up there. No. And there's like there's there's thumping. And no. it's somebody else. Somebody lives in the house, even though the yard is overgrown. And clearly when Andre's mom said, Don't go back to the house because you're bug you'll bug the new owners, there are no new owners. Creepy pasta. The the um, fact that the the fact that no one owns the deed to the house is not the creepy part. The fact there's a person Living under the house, killing animals. No, the animals. creepy, the creepy part is that his mom knows something that she's not telling him. Oh, also, and that, that's and that fuels that, that helps to fuel his confusion because there is a there is a disconnect between them that is keeping them both from sharing all of the information that they each. Yeah. Have. Okay. 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 Because he's not supposed to be at this house, so he doesn't tell her that he went to the house and also finds all the stuff under the house. And mm. she is trying to shield him from whatever this thing is that's happening. And so she hasn't told him that she also saw that stuff. And she suspects probably that there's a creepy guy living oh, in the house. Still. Made of pasta. Okay. So then what happens? Anything good? I guess I should. <laughs> there's another, there's a thing where he's like a teenager where Josh is, is out of the picture and it's just in the book. It's, you know, they they grew apart as people sometimes do and yeah. they get a little bit older. Like that totally happens to friends. But Josh had a hot sister named Veronica. Sure. And so Josh goes or not Josh, uh Andre, Andre the narrator, yeah. goes to like the dollar movie theater and Veronica's there. And he's like, Dang, man, I like to get with that. Whoa. Sexy pasta. <laughs> Uh, so he talks to her and he's like, oh, hey, do you remember me? I'm Josh's friend. And she's like, oh, hey, how are you? 
and so they go to another movie together and they're having a really they're having a nice time and he Andre tells a creepypasta story like within the within the story i dig it i dig about this, like actually. a monster who is in a mall or, or whatever yeah and he's like if you look in the windows of the mall you can see the monster sometimes and so they're both looking into the window of this empty mall at two in the morning and then he like kicks the window what a jerk from the outside to make it shake and veronica's like oh you got me creepypasta that's cool when I was a Nobody kid, in the book says creepypasta. I'm just kind of punctuating it so you yeah. know when to be creeped. Like when rhythmically it would creep you. Yes. Mm-hmm. When I was a kid, we rented a spooky video game called Clock Tower, and it's about a man who chases you through a mental hospital with giant scissors, and all you can do is hide. You can't hurt him. Is this similar to but legally distinct from Edward Scissorhands? Yes, he's just holding giant hedge clippers chasing you. (laughs) And my friend's stepdad, knowing that we were playing this terrifying video game, he went outside and just started throwing rocks very gently at our friend's window. And it was the worst. Man, my dad one time laid like under the covers of my bed and so I got into bed <laughs> and my dad was there and he and he scared me and oh, I was terrified. No. I, That's the whole story. I don't like scaring people. Uh listen, and I, as a new dad, I'm kind of sensitive to this, but like scary dads aren't fun. Scary dads make bad memories. Yes, they really do. <laughs> and also dads who tickle too hard. Yeah, you can't tickle too hard. You can't tickle so hard it hurts. Yeah, because then your your kid won't like tickling. Yeah, you got it. That's a you got to be careful there. Um, These are the things I'm trying not to pass on to my own child. That's wise. Um, don't throw rocks at a window near your child. Don't creep them yeah, out. Yeah, yeah um, you got it, Henry. So, like, what does this? What what we're dancing around here, and what it sounds like maybe these memories are dancing around is like. What is the prime mover of the creep? Like, is there a creepy man? Andre's Andre's being do we stalked meet him? by kind of. He's being stalked okay. by an individual. Okay. And so the end, the end twist, the final twist, the most al dente of all the creepy pastas, <laughs> the rotini at the end of the creepy pasta, <laughs> because everybody knows that al dente is the best way to have pasta. <laughs> Don't at me. Um, is so Veronica's dead. Josh Whoa. is missing. Whoa! Oh yeah, I forgot to. There's it's a, fine. the end of that. <laughs> the end of that story is a creepy car that followed him to the movie theater with a big crack in the rear windshield. Uh, hits Veronica and she dies. Whoa! But but Andre doesn't know that because he is texting with Veronica while she's in the hospital. And then he goes to his mom and is like, I don't care what you say. I'm going to go meet Veronica at the movies because we made another date. And he's and she's like, no, honey, Veronica's been dead for weeks. Creepy. I took her phone. No. Creepy pasta. So Veronica's dead. Josh ran away at some point. And the narrator's mom has kind of hidden the Josh thing from him. Sure. Makes sense. But it's revealed it's revealed kind of like halfway through the book, just kind of in a it's like trying it's ca- trying to casually like if you were to go to Lowe's and put 
a gigantic air conditioner in your shopping cart and then just try to casually walk out the store without paying for it. The book casually slides in like midway through that the narrator and Josh look almost exactly the same. Oh, great. (laughs) (laughs) Do you need any help loading that into your car, Nathan? And so what happens is, is Josh has disappeared. Josh's dad is a, like a construction guy and because Josh's mom is breaking down because one of her kids disappeared and Veronica is dead, she is she needs more care. And so Josh's dad has to take more jobs in the area. And so a guy asks Josh's dad, hey, I'll give you $100 if you fill in all these holes in my yard. And Josh's dad is like, yeah, I'm going to be asked to develop all this land into like condos later anyway. So sure, I'll take your hundred bucks and fill in all these holes for this land. I'm going to have to come and work on later anyway. Um, but when he's trying to help clear the land to build these houses, he discovers this patch where like the the ground is weak and he's like well that happens sometimes you get tree roots under the soil and they kind of weaken it and you gotta you gotta you know dig it and even it out i don't know how dig it out ground and so he's and so he's digging in this dirt and he like hits something Uh and it ends up being this crate and there's a big there's a man in it and he's holding Josh and Josh has had his hair dyed to be the same color as Andre's and he's wearing Andre's old clothes that he left behind in the old house when they moved no and and so what what ends up being a thing is there was a stalker who was stalking Andre and he knew that Andre was friends with Josh and so I guess because Andre's mom was making it too hard for him to stalk he just like took a Andre, different. He took he Josh. Sorta, yeah, he like took a liking to Josh instead because they look really similar. And so the book kind of ends with the narrator wishing he'd never met Josh because then this stuff wouldn't have happened. To okay. Him. Okay. So, biggest problem. I, I guess I had two problems. The biggest one I think is just the prose, which is so. I think the thing that works about making it, you know, telling it all from a kid's perspective or, or like telling it from the perspective of childhood is a lot of the time that stuff that comes up that seems like it's coming out of nowhere or seems like you're like remembering it in the middle of a story, like apropos of nothing. I feel like that is, that yeah. is yeah. true to recalling childhood memories. And it's true to how kids tell stories of things also. So it feels like one and one. Yeah, for sure. Okay. But the prose, I feel like the prose doesn't reflect this. Like it's an adult writing about this and the writing style is of an adult who could just use an edit pass. Sure. Okay. It's just a little wordy and a little dry. Um, This is him like talking about climbing a tree. In my mind, I was quite a skilled climber, but my expertise was specialized. I only ever climbed that particular tree and I always took the same path. I'd worn off the bark on some of the branches from the grinding of my shoes and the wringing of my hands as I moved from one branch to another in the same familiar path. I got too confident and one afternoon I tried to step from a branch before I had firmly grasped the next one. I fell about 20 feet and when I hit the earth, all the air was violently pushed out of my lungs. Dazed, I attempted to get up, but as I put more weight on my left arm, 
arm, it failed me, and I fell back to the ground. When I looked at the arm that had betrayed me, I understood that I had simply asked too much of it. My forearm was twisted and bent like my tree's roots, and when I tried to move my fingers, I found that they either all moved together or not at all. My mom was running toward me yelling something, and I remember her sounding like she was underwater. I don't recall what she said, but I do remember being surprised by just how white my bone was. I couldn't climb trees anymore after that. And that is the end of a fairly long passage that's just, I climbed trees when I was a kid, and I fell out of one, and I broke my arm. And it doesn't like resonate with other parts of that story? Well, it's, it's, not, it's not even that. What I'm saying is the book is presented to you through the fog of childhood but the prose is so kind of elaborately like specifically detailed sometimes Mm. that it totally it's at odds breaks that yeah it's at odds with the with the way that you're being told that that he is remembering the story yeah okay that makes sense is is what i mean um the other thing and i i guess i don't know if this is intentional or not is I feel like the stalker would work better if he was anybody. Like mm. he's just some guy. Yeah. Well, and that seems like, to be like, like, like Andre's Andre's dad is not in this story at all. And so I was expecting the whole time for it to be a dad thing. Oh, sure. But it's just like this guy was just nobody. Well and then my other yeah. my other working theory was that maybe Josh's dad yeah. is also the narrator's dad. And oh. we just don't know. But like but there are but there are things like there are interactions between Josh's dad and Andre's mom in the story that don't make sense if that theory is to hold any water at all. Huh. So I just I wanted there to be more of a twist than like what is obviously going on throughout this entire book is like, yeah, there's some creepy stalker who's been following you your whole life and doing weird stuff. And he's fixated on you. And I don't understand why. So the things that the book doesn't do, doesn't really explain why Yeah, (laughs) he's just a guy and doesn't make the like link between the narrator and Josh any more surprising than it could be. It doesn't really, well, what it sounds build like, any relationship between Andre's mom yeah. and anybody like it's 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 just it's just a bunch of the most obvious conclusion is what the conclusion is. Yes, and what it sounds like is for you in the book as the stories like build on one another, you as the reader are starting to expect there to be something that will explicitly tie them together. Whereas, like, I think individually what makes them creepy is that thing, like you said before, where it's like, there's a, the the stories about how the people in the car were warning you about the maniac in your car. And, like, there's no backstory to that maniac. There's no backstory to the people in the other car. It's just about the creepy feeling of, like, oh, crap, a stranger could have killed me. And I didn't know about it. And, like individual stories maybe can evoke that but once you start piling them on top of one another and connecting other tissue like what you've you've really i think honed in on the relationship between him and his mom and like the lack of information sharing and things like that that only works across multiple stories but then why didn't you connect other dots or make a bigger deal out of the fact that the dots were not connected. That yeah, yeah it's just the, the issue. I think the issue with this as one whole book, and like like, and and I, I pretty much enjoyed each individual story as I was sure. reading it. Like I, I think they are a good 
examples of what the genre is and what people like about the genre. But I'm reading a book that is five or six stories that are a bunch of like relatively mundane things. And then at the end, they all get creepy for a couple pages. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And I guess, yeah, I was I was hoping for a little more forward momentum where the book kind of is happy to as far as the shape of the narrative arc goes, it's just kind of happy to reset and then build back up and then totally reset. Like, I think ideally the trend line would be up the whole time. Yeah. But the book doesn't really capitalize on that. Sure. I think. Well, and it presents them as a connected narrative. A right. Bit, yeah, maybe yeah. a bit more than it even means to. Or or meh, I don't know. That's a weird sentence, but I think yeah. Um, like anyway, I I want the I want the tension to snowball until I am at a last chapter that's just like blowing my mind with everything <laughs> I'm learning. You know? Yeah. So I do want to. We talked a little bit earlier about the kind of people have had wide ranging reactions to this. Where I think you've kind of found the middle, which is parts of it were spooky, parts of it were creepy. Wish it had done some done some other things. Um, are I wish it gelled better as a as a comprehensive thing. I sure, guess is is my my main takeaway is I wish the stalker had had some deeper connection to the rest of it, and yeah, I wish that I wish things had built yeah in a way that that created more tension as you went the way that I think most horror stories are are structured you know yeah so our our patreon supporter alex who sent it in thank you alex has been a fun episode um said that it was a compelling horror story and i think it would be great for spooktober it is about a kid who takes part in a pen pal project for his kindergarten class but he has the misfortune of getting paired with a creepy guy with a stalker vibe um i wish i could make it sound more interesting but there's not a good way (laughs) to do so without spoiling the story it is pretty well layered and every detail matters i promise the novel is better then I am describing it and then goes on to talk about where it came from in Reddit. Um, and then you and I found, Andrew, you've pulled up some Goodreads reviews, which like back to back are like, this is a great, like, I finished this book in two days. And when I wasn't reading it, I was thinking about it. I stayed up until midnight last night just to finish it. And then when I was done, I did something I haven't done in decades. I left a lamp on when I went to sleep. I'm 31 years old and I'm not proud of this. This book scared me in ways that I can barely describe. Uh, And then another person and then like goes on to talk about how it made them recall childhood. And that's probably why it got so spooky for them and things (laughs) like that. And then the one star post right above that. This is like reading an exceedingly long Reddit post. That's because it started as one. Most of this author's fans are Redditors, and I guess they think it merits five stars because they're used to reading Reddit comments all day. And yes, as a Reddit comment, it is exceptional, but as a book, it is barely readable. It rambles endlessly. For instance, it shouldn't take a whole page to describe two 10-year-olds playing rock, paper, scissors. That's kind of what you were saying with the tree, yeah. Yeah, that deserves two or three sentences at best. It could have been a good story. I don't know because I couldn't even get myself to finish it, but it's not good writing. I do want to go ahead and encourage this fledgling author to keep writing, though. Your first attempt at a book is kind of like a first attempt at cooking. You're probably going to have to throw it out. Oh, gosh. That took a turn. And so I... I think that is a little that that is definitely harsher than I would go. But I yeah, like I and honestly I would be I would be interested to know like from from Alex and from anybody else who like experienced this in real time as yeah, 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 yeah. pasta on Reddit like was there more texture 
that I am missing from like details that we haven't talked about. And there are, there's stuff that we haven't talked about just for time's sake. Yeah. 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 And, and is there, is there extra stuff like fan theories that were speculated on on Reddit that kind of tie things together in a way that's like more horrible and more, and like more subtle, I guess, than, than the way the book reads on the surface. Cause again, I, I didn't dislike it, but I did kind of, I got to the end and I, and I, kind of didn't I didn't really get it because sure. I found the resolution unsatisfying. Sure. So. Sure. You know, and even the 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 five star like this scared the crap out of me review from Goodreads, which is I, I think endemic of the other good reviews, did go on to say like it the ending was kind of wonky. Um and I'm not sure why some of the characters made these choices. And then is like, is this true? I've been a lot. I've, I know it was posted on Reddit and I'm trying to figure out if this is based on a true story or something. And so I wonder if the appeal is that too, like because it's not supernatural and be like it is spectacular in, in the That's types true. of that things. Is, that, that is a reason to leave it grounded. Yeah. Instead of going in a hex direction. Yeah. Whereas I think I think there is an, uh, a hunger from the true crime parts of your brain and things like that, where you're like, what is this based on? Was this, even if it wasn't exactly like this, did this happen to someone? Could it have happened to me? Uh, and that can definitely get someone freaked out and that they won't necessarily be thinking about how long it takes to play rock, paper, scissors or something like that. <laughs> um, but yeah, I would be interested to know, for, hear from other folks who've read this book or if other folks have cool creepypastas that they've read. I've read enough stuff about Slender Man. I don't need to learn any more about Slender just, Man. Just send Craig all you got about the skin horse. If you find more skin horse stuff, please <laughs> let me know. I want to know about skin horse. That's me. Um, don't, but please. <laughs> That's what they say about Craig. So send in your skin horse slash fic to overduepod at gmail.com, but please do not post any pictures of the skin horse on facebook.com slash overduepod or twitter.com slash overduepod. We are blowing up skin horse's spot this week. Skin horse, um, skin horse. We got a lot of nice responses to my like semi monthly what you're reading posts. So, including in that are Nick, Elliot, Sam, Jennifer, Juliana, Nora, Annie, Anthony, Sandra, Corey. Kristen, Tia, Lori, Michael, Gina, Rob, Mark, Jamie, and a lot more. Um, if you're not following us on social media, get there. And then once a month, I'm going to ask you what you're reading. And then a lot of people have good ideas. Andrew, if folks want to know more about the show, where should they go? They should go to overduepodcast.com, which is our internet website. Up there, we have links to Apple Podcasts, Google Play, our RSS feed. We're also available in the Spotify Podcast Emporium and Stitcher. <laughs> Um, if you go to patreon.com slash overdue pod, you can give us a little bit of money and get stuff, including, uh, early episodes of Hellboys, which is our, uh, divine comedy long form podcast yeah. that we are working our way through right now. We got into Purgatorio recently and it's, it's, uh, it's all weird. I like it in there. I have a good time yeah. in Purgatorio. Yeah. It's where I was meant to be. <laughs> oh boy. I think maybe. <laughs> Um, Craig, what is happening next week to kind of close out? Well, not quite close out because we got a bonus episode. Yeah. Our last regular Spooktober episode. I am reading Psycho by Robert Block. Is that copyright? Whatever. It doesn't matter. We're going to talk sound? about it. The re, re, re sound? Yeah. Who knows? 
Um, yes. And then our bonus episode is going to be about Nightmare, Nightmare, Night, the Nightmare Before Christmas. That one. That one. All right, everybody. Until we talk to you next week, try to be skin horse. <laughs> That was a headgum podcast. <laughs> that whole podcast about skin horse. <laughs> the title of the story is just skin horse. There's like stories that's like, it starts with like a person being, <laughs> being like, oh, I came back from the war and everything was different. Let me read some titles to you. Something terrible came with the rain. I'm a guard stationed at a secret government prison, part nine. We couldn't keep the baby. My roommate is serving a life sentence for a felony she committed while sleepwalking. Trunk or treat. Skin horse. I I don't know why the words skin horse next to each other is so funny, but they really are. Oh, man. Skin horse. She whiz.